1: This is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Plenty to discuss
2: across the NFL today. OutKick 360 rolls on 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us across the OutKick network, which includes on the radio, Sports Radio 104.7 across the Upper Cumberland. We say hello to you as well as our great friends with Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Huntsville and Florence, Alabama. Hello. Somo Sports Radio. Joplin, Missouri. Our great uh, friends there. You can interact with us online. Uh, Just search out Outkick 360 on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube. And uh, as always, you can go to outkick.com for more clips and uh, much more from the show. Every Tuesday at this time, we say hello to John McClain. Um, Recently retired from the Houston Chronicle, but remains uh, a staple in covering the NFL and uh, great thoughts and opinions going into and now reviewing the draft. John, hope you're doing well.
3: I am. I spent all last week and all weekend uh, freelancing for the Houston Chronicle. It was weird to see my name, uh, in my draft preview that said correspondent for the first time since I arrived there in nineteen seventy six.
4: You're like a young boy again, John. Yeah. you it's a youth it's a youthful renewal going on for John McClane. Yeah. Maybe you'll work your yeah, way I in. wish. You look you look fifteen years younger today, now that you joined us, now that you're just a young whippersnapper correspondent. For the draft, I John,
2: you were you were there for the start of DeAndre Hopkins' career in Houston. You you met him. You know him well. You know the player better than than anyone we could have on. Um, how surprised were you with the news that came out yesterday? And what did you make of the statement where he said, "Hey, you know, I'll, I'll see you in week seven, but that this is not me in regards to the PED suspension. He's going to miss the first six games of the regular season.
3: First of all, if I were him, I would have taken the Andy Pettit defense. I would have said I I took some HGH to try to come back quicker from my injury for the fans. I wanted to help my teammates. I wanted to help them win. And I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done it. I made a mistake, but I thought I was doing it for the team instead of saying, you know, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> like like uh, he's an investigator. No player today ever admits that he did something on purpose. The uh, Texans, I remember, in 2020, Deshaun Watson's last season, he was playing great. And he lost his leading receiver, Will Fuller, six-game suspension, five at the end of the season. They lost a cornerback Bradley Roby for six games for a suspension. And, and usually, most of them don't say anything, but they always say they didn't knowingly take it. And maybe they didn't. But, you know, that that doesn't wash anymore because they all know if you're taking anything, you have any doubts about you just ask your trainer, and he'll look up in the computer if he doesn't know it off the top of his head. And that's a huge blow to Kyler Murray and the Cardinals because when he got hurt last year, Kyler Murray's stats went down in every way, Yes, and they faded fast, and then they blew it in the playoff round when Murray just looked awful, and they – you know, they've known about this for a while. That's why they traded for Hollywood Brown. And and they drafted a tight end. It was a top pass catcher at his position. And uh, you know, if you're gonna miss games, miss them early, not late. It was strange because in Hopkins' whole time in Houston, he only missed two games, one at the end of a season in 2017. When they were terrible, and it meant nothing. He had a broken bone, and I remember he told me if this game had been for something, I would have forced him to let me play. And then last year he had the injuries, two injuries, and now he's suspended. And that's just a serious blow in a, in a tough division for the Cardinals.
2: John, help me with this. I, I, I'm not against it necessarily because I don't know the details and what's behind the, the the timetable here. But this was a test that was conducted in November. We sit here in April, and the league is just now handing down punishment. Why, why the gap in time? Like The surface level to me says, well, if you test and you pop positive, you're suspended immediately, not months later going into next year. Um, to, to me, that, I, I don't know. The, the timing of it is odd, and I, I don't know the, the testing process.
3: Well, first of all, there could have been something faulty with the test. They had to test it again, could have tested multiple times. He obviously appealed it. They usually do. The appeals take time because think about the docket of the NFL. They got a lot of stuff going on. And I'm sure they didn't want to announce it before the draft to to detract from the draft. But when they made that trade for Hollywood Brown, we all saw, well, okay, why? We thought originally, well, they're just trying to replace Christian Kirk, who signed an unbelievable deal with Jacksonville. And now we know they were trying to fortify the receiving court because they knew Hopkins was going to be out. So that's the only thing I can think of. I remember one time an Oilers lineman, I found out he tested positive. And when I tracked him out to the parking lot to ask him about it, he said, and I'm assuming he was kidding, that if I wrote it, he'd kill me. And I looked around and there was nobody there to hear it. And I asked him again, he said, you heard me. And so I'm like, yeah, okay, let me think about this one. And turned out it was a faulty test. He never got suspended. Obviously, I didn't use it because I didn't get killed. And uh, I'm glad I did, didn't use it because they could have always denied it. But I found out later somehow the NFL had dropped the tube or whatever, but it never happened. But in this case, the NFL is quick to announce anything about uh, – uh, some things and other there's very they're very slow about and i understand the NFL negotiating the players association negotiating with owners what can and can't be said but nobody buys it the players don't know what they're putting in their body and you know what it's, it's weird how if it happens in baseball people go crazy and it happens in football performance enhancing drugs people almost just accept it
0: we know how long the appeals process can take, John. Could this have just been a drawn-out appeal? And then once he realizes, I'm not winning this thing, I, I retract my appeal, boom, they come out and announce it. And this is one thing the NFL is pretty good at keeping secret, though not as good as they used to be.
3: It's possible, Paul, that that's what happened, or it could be he lost his appeal. And, that's, and they didn't want to announce it until after the draft. But the NFL always has a reason for the way they do things. They don't explain it to us most of the time, but there's kind of a method to their madness. And I think this one was all about a matter of
2: timing. Speaking of wide receivers, John, what did you make of the Titans trading AJ Brown to the Philadelphia Eagles on draft night?
3: Well, I was uh, in the press box working and they were way down on the bottom floor, eight floors below. And I heard this huge cheer. And I'm thinking, okay, they got they got Derek Stingley oh. on the zoom. They they were able to get a guard they wanted. Now I'm making this up, of course, but I'll guarantee you they would have been cheering because AJ Brown tore up the Texans secondary. The AFC South team should be on their knees, thanking God that AJ Brown got traded out of the division because he was so good. And he, and I don't know what he did against all the other division teams. All I know is most of the time he was good for 100 yards and more than 100 yards, and at least one time one touchdown catch against the Texans, and there wasn't anything they could do about it. One of the reasons they probably drafted Derek Stingley was so they'd have somebody that could come close to covering AJ Brown. Now they don't have to worry about it.
2: We were stunned. I mean, uh, we we did not see that coming based on comments that the Titans had made publicly, um, and, and the fact that you, you just mentioned it, the value to the offense. Uh, they replace him with Traylon Burks, um, so that the timing of that is why you make the move when they did, so you can get the first-round pick, you can move up and get a replacement that's very similar in style, um, but it, it's hard to just assume any rookie comes in and produces the way A.J. did for this offense.
3: It looks to me like, you know, Burks is two inches smaller, same, I'm taller, same weight. And, but it's going to be hard for him to come in and replace a guy like that. He's not going to do it as a rookie. And the guy I feel sorry for is Ryan Tannehill. He's got a rookie going to be breathing down his neck. And it's going to be hard for him to duplicate what he's done. It looks to me, based on having a healthy Derrick Henry and what they did in the draft, that Mike Vrabel is going to want to run the ball even more to try to help the play action. And the thing is uh, about Arkansas playing the SEC, you know, he's Burks is a physical player, he looks great. He was rated generally the fifth best receiver in the draft. Hopefully the Titans got good value for him. But you talk about guys under pressure going into their season, he's going to be one everybody is looking at because he's going to hear A.J. Brown so much he's going to be sick of it. And that's the way it's going to be all through his rookie year because if he doesn't come close to what Brown did and if the team doesn't continue to win the way it has, it won't be fair to blame one guy. But uh, it's, that guy, Burks, is under so much pressure.
0: Speaking of Tannehill, he spoke for the first time today since post-game Cincinnati. Um, had, had a lot to say, faced a lot of questions. The biggest news that's coming out of it is, is that he said he does not feel it's his job to mentor Malik Willis, which we all know from experience and having heard, I think, Brett Favre say it uh, about Aaron Rodgers. It's just not a good thing to say out loud whatever your stance on mentoring your ultimate replacement is um, your thoughts uh, about his willingness to say that out loud. I think it's ridiculous that you wouldn't do it. Veterans
3: are supposed to help young players. And I remember in 1995, Steve McNair was third pick in the draft and Jerry Rome was the offensive coordinator and Jerry had Chris Chandler at Arizona and they signed him as a veteran to have him uh, play until they deemed McNair was ready because McNair had signed that long-term contract. Floyd Reese had got him to do him and Buzz Cook so they could afford to let him develop. And then I remember around the locker room some veterans telling me that they didn't think Chandler was going out of his way to help McNair. Steve never said anything about it. And I remember one time the second year, I'd got to know McNair a little bit, And I asked him, we were just talking at his locker back when we could talk to him at their lockers. And I said, how's Chris doing with mentoring you? And he just kind of looked at me and shrugged his shoulders. I said, he's not helping you. And he goes, not really. And I asked Jerry Rome about it because Jerry's a coach I had great respect for. And it's like the two of them almost froze him out. And, uh, but I don't like that. I think in any position, you need to help the young guy, even if he's trying to take your job. And the guys that are the best about it are offensive linemen and I think that's the way you should be. If you're a good team guy, you're going to help young people, whether it's a guy who's behind you or at another position, and I think that's something that is going to regret. I thought he was smarter. I know he's a smart guy, but I wouldn't say that. I know how much criticism Brett Favre got it. Joe Flacco said it. You know, if you believe it, just don't say it. At least I guess we should be glad they're not lying about it.
2: Yeah, and, um, you know, uh, you're right. He is a smart guy. He's he's smart. He, he knows the contract situation. Like Flacco, Flacco knew whenever they drafted Lamar Jackson that his days were numbered. Tannehill sees the writing on the wall too. Now he's he's being paid very well this year. Um, Paul pointed out in the presser with him that he counts more against the cap than any quarterback currently. Any player? Uh, any player? let yeah, any player. Um, next year the Titans can get out from the contract, and and John Malik Willis is a quarterback like. Uh, there was a referendum on all these quarterbacks. They need a year, and this is a good a good spot for a quarterback who needs a year of development.
3: It wouldn't surprise me, uh, considering you think about when Mike Vrabel played at New England, all those touchdown catches he had as a, a tight end, um, that if they don't find a way to put Malik Willis in the game, a package for him – Downing will come up with something where they give him a run pass option. Now, Tannehill is a good runner, of course. You guys know that. You see him. But if he's uh, faked a handoff, say Malik Willis is faked a handoff to, hand to Derrick Henry and everybody closes in on Henry as they usually do, and Willis takes off around the end and they need two yards for first down, he'll put his head up, head down and try to run through it if he needs to. And I don't think you'll see Tannehill doing that. We've seen Tannehill jump and uh, leap for uh, touchdowns and first downs, but Willis is a really tough guy, he's a good runner. I think he'll be the starting quarterback in 2023, if everybody's right about it, that he's got a lot of talent, great leader, great guy, and, uh, and Tannehill knows that. And the key for Tannehill is to play as well as he can. If he can't force the Titans to keep him because he's played great and they continue to win, he'll get a job somewhere else.
2: John McLean with us. You can follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Coming up with John, we'll discuss Debo Samuel, who remains a Niner. Baker Mayfield, who currently is the quarterback or one of one of the quarterbacks, uh, still in Cleveland. We'll get John's take on there. There was a report I saw um, over the weekend that said that the Texans were back in the mix with Cleveland for oh, Baker. He's we'll love that one. we'll there get there. We go. We'll get uh, John's take on that. Plus, his top three best fits for player going to a certain team, and he'll also give us the biggest head scratchers
1: Follow the show on social media at OutKick360.
2: Best fits from the NFL draft over the weekend. John McClain with us. And we're talking NFL headlines on OutKick360 across the OutKick network. We'll get to those in a moment. Some other headlines, John. Debo Samuel not traded this weekend. Were you surprised by that? And John Lynch, post-draft, has been asked about it. And he said, look, we're going to do everything in our power to make sure Debo Samuel remains a niner.
3: Kyle Shanahan said that as well. They know what the problem is. We don't know. We assume it's he wants the big money. Uh, Adam Schefter said about 10 days before the draft, he didn't want to play in California. Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's because of taxes or what, because he hasn't done anything publicly. And I think that's the way you go about getting them to take care of you. There's a lot of talk he doesn't want to play running back. Well, one reason that he would get so much money is because he is a dual threat. He only rushed for 300 yards. But when you think about the touchdowns and the fact he's a wide receiver, that's pretty impressive. I think they're going to get it worked
2: out. Jimmy Garoppolo elected to have sur- shoulder surgery in March and was not allowed to throw, and it still remains that way, he's not allowed to throw from 14 weeks post-surgery. That puts him up at the end of June, early July, and that has thrown a wrinkle into their trading possibilities, their off-season plan for Jimmy G.,
3: I can't, believe, I can't remember if it was John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan who said the shoulder surgery had caused other teams to back away. It's not like Baker Mayfield was his left shoulder. Jimmy Garoppolo's his right shoulder, and he didn't have a great arm to begin with. I think what will happen, they'll carry him on the roster, and when a team loses a quarterback and thinks they still have a chance to go to the playoffs, then that's the team that's most likely to make a deal for Garoppolo, probably for uh, a pick, a conditional pick that maybe is a four that could be a three. But uh, I think he'll be traded before the deadline early November.
4: John, so you think that the 49ers and Debo Samuel will work something out before the season starts is what you're thinking right now?
3: Yes, Chad, like I do, because I think if they thought they couldn't, they would have traded him like all the other teams. You know, I wouldn't surprise at all. He didn't get traded because he hadn't hurt any team other than maybe Detroit and the Jets. And I can't believe he'd want to go to a loser so much he would make it all about the money. And, you know, A.J. Brown shocked everybody. But uh, I never thought that he would be traded before the draft. Now, I'll say this. I didn't think Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, or A.J. Brown would be <laughs> traded. It's, it's amazing now, guys. Some teams don't want to invest that kind of money in ride, wide receivers, and other teams do. And three or four years from now, we're going to look back and we're going to wonder – Well, was that worth it for that team? A lot of it has to do with who they draft with the picks they got in the trades. Like if Burks turns out to be another A.J. Brown, then that wouldn't have been a bad deal at all. It might turn out to be a good deal. But uh, if if his contract hamstrings what the Eagles do with say Jalen Hurts plays even better next season, then they're going to want to extend him after three years, then that could work against the Eagles.
4: Well, and John, we're entering a brave new world in the NFL where players uh, have a lot more leverage, much like the NBA, and they're calling their shots and they're getting done what they want done. Um, Just a hypothetical for you, what if the 49ers don't work something out with Debo Samuel and say, you're still under contract, show up. If not, we'll just keep fining you. Is there going to be a team that actually plays that game and says, hey, we've got a contract here. You need to show up to this contract or you're going to sit and get fined for a season. Will anyone dare to do that?
3: No, because it sends a terrible message to agents and other players. That's like last year. The Texans could have forced Deshaun Watson to play, but they knew they were going to trade him, so why risk injury? He'd already blown out his ACL during his rookie year of 2017. He had that same injury on the other knee when he was at Clemson. So they wanted to make sure he was healthy because they thought they were going to trade into Miami before the November 2nd deadline. So if you want to play a hard ball, you can always suspend a guy for conduct detrimental to the team and take his money and make him come in. Nobody holds out anymore. It's too expensive but then he can come in like Jalen Ramsey had a mysterious injury. Watson didn't need to develop one. You have a hold in. This started, as far as I'm concerned, with Ramsey. Ramsey wanted out of Jacksonville. He wanted to go to a good team. He wanted to get a big new contract, and he was able to do that. Watson was the same way. Now, there's a lot of players could do it, only a few threatened to do it. The last thing the NFL owners want, is for the NFL to become like the NBA where too many NBA players dictate where they play, and it helps create super teams like Miami and then the Lakers when they won the championship with LeBron. They do not want that.
4: No, they don't, and and one of the reasons we like the NFL is because it's not like the NBA in that respect. Um, this is going to be fascinating moving forward, John, of the the different approaches. We saw it now with the Titans where – To me, this is them devaluing the wide receiver position. And you said different teams are going to view this a different way. But they're saying, we'll just go in the draft and get someone cheaper at that position because there's a lot of body types and athletes like this at wide receiver that are coming through college football year after year. 25 years ago, we would have been crazy if we'd have said, you know, the running back position isn't going to be one of much value in the NFL, you know, years from now. And you can go get a guy in the fifth or sixth round and not invest high at running back. And that changed. Do you see uh, a scenario where, based on the success or lack thereof of the Titans in this maneuver, could dictate the way other teams view the position and view how they can get young at that position and not have to invest mega money in top receivers in the league?
3: Chad, like I think that's already been established. Kansas City wouldn't do it. Green Bay did it. Remember, Green Bay made Devontae Adams a great offer. Yep, They even said they offered him more, but he wanted to go back to the West Coast. He grew up a fan of the Raiders in Northern California, played collegiately with Derek Carr, and I'm pretty sure somewhere in there there was probably tampering by Derek Carr but uh, convincing him to do it. So his was not about money. And, but most of them are like Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown. We're going to see more. And uh, Hollywood Brown complained about the offense. Well, he caught 91 passes last year. I'm not exactly sure what he was talking about, especially when uh, Mar Jackson die half the season. But this wide out, it's amazing what divas they are. And that's one of the things I always appreciated about DeAndre Hopkins. He was always very quiet, never made any threats about anything. And he just did his job, and the coaches loved him for that. But today, some of them will do everything but pour lighter fluid on them and light a match to get attention. And uh, some teams can put up with that, and some can't. Someday, maybe Mike Tomlin will write a book about his coaching career with the Steelers, and I would love to see the inside information of how in the world he put up with Antonio Brown for all those years.
0: John, we've seen some teams with young quarterbacks really work this offseason, especially with the draft, to surround their their young guy, Uh, Miami and the Jets in particular. And then they are the Bears. Uh, They spend their top two picks on defensive players when they've got a weak roster around Justin Fields. They did get... Valus Jones, a receiver out of Tennessee, and a, an offensive lineman out of southern Utah in the fifth round, but still a defensive emphasis on their draft. Why aren't they doing this the way other teams are doing this, where they try to give their quarterback every every chance possible, loading up on his side of the ball?
3: And they have a new regime in place that's trying to distance himself from Ryan Pace and maybe, you know, whatever their plan is. But if you've invested heavily, and a young quarterback like the Bears and so many others, the Jets and the Jaguars, you better take care of them first. Now, the Jaguars could have had their choice of any offensive lineman, Evan Neal, A.K. E. Kwanu, and they went with uh, Trey Walker, who's more about potential than uh, productivity at Georgia, and maybe that'll turn out to be great and probably won't since it's the Jaguars, but you've got to help your young quarterback. The Texans are trying to do everything they can to help Davis Mills going into his second year because they like Mills. They thought he showed a lot of promise, especially over the last month. So they're trying to help him out, and that's what teams should do when you have young guys in that situation. If you got older guys who have smart and they've been around the block a couple of times, like Ryan Tannehill, it's not as it's not a necessity as it is with the others. And it's a head scratcher when you see some of those teams not do it. You wonder what in the world. Are they thinking?
2: John, I'm going to put the ball in the tee for you here, and then we'll get your uh, your assessment of the draft overall. Um, I it was Sunday, no, Saturday night, late Saturday night, I saw a report, I believe, from The Athletic um, that said that the Texans were now interested in Baker Mayfield all of a sudden. Um, your, your thoughts on that, because you've been on this from the start, saying the Texans are are not going to be on the Baker, Mayfield, or Jimmy G train anytime soon.
0: Stand back, guys. That
3: is one of the dumbest (laughs) things I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know why people keep beating that drum when they've never showed one bit of interest. I'm guessing it's the agent leaking it, trying to drum up some port. I've talked to people with two teams I trust about why they wouldn't trade for Mayfield. They think he's going to get cut. Once Pittsburgh drafted Kenny Pickett, they could afford to cut him because they know the Steelers are not going to claim it. Or are they? They couldn't have Mayfield get cut, and he go to the Steelers, the biggest rivalry they have. And uh, so they're waiting around for him to get cut. He's going to get his $18 million, no matter where he goes. Seattle's a team he should want to go to because they're loaded at the skill positions. But Baker Mayfield, Lovey Smith was asked about another quarterback. They signed Kyle Allen as the backup in free agency. They've got Jeff Driscoll as the third quarterback, although he's a better runner than a passer. And they know they're in phase two of their rebuild. They're not going anywhere this year. And so why in the world, why in the world would they take Baker Mayfield under those circumstances, and Lovey Smith said he's happy with his quarterbacks. He said, "Why do we need another one?" And the question was, "Could you use a low pick on a quarterback if you saw somebody you like?" And he said, "I'm not ruling it out, but we're happy with our quarterbacks."
2: John, I just uh, I went through my my history here uh, from Saturday night, and uh, the headline that I clicked on was from Fanduel, and it said Texans have surprising new stance on Baker Mayfield trade. And if you scroll down, it is a tweet from the Athletic. The Panthers, Seahawks, and Texans are still in the mix for a quarterback. Could Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Dreep be temporary answers? And if you click on this story, it mentions how the Texans are now reconsidering their stance on on Baker. It's
4: from Jeff Howe.
2: Uh, Jeff Howe of The like. Athletic. I, I will, again, just preface the last 30 seconds with John. Um and and say, go review that if you want the answer in in response to the story I clicked on. There it is. John, do you think
4: that – that's great, by the way.
2: Do you think that there's going to be a lot of interest the moment he's cut?
4: Or is there some sort of body buried of Baker Mayfield's that I'm not familiar with as to why no team in the NFL seems to want to touch the guy?
3: I think nobody wants to give up anything for him because they they think there's a good chance he's going to be cut. They're not going to keep him around there doing nothing next year. He's gone. I saw him discussing on ESPN this morning, could they keep him? Because Watson could be suspended. And they're like, ah, that's why they signed Jacoby Brissett. They're not keeping Mayfield because that would be a catastrophe.
2: John, let's, uh, let's dive in to, to the draft a bit from a, a broad perspective. John McClain's three best fits, as you sit back and analyze where players ended up, what three come to mind at the top of your list?
3: We've talked about two of them, and this is not my three. Okay. Two of them would have been Traylon Burks, and the other one would be Malik Willis. I thought those are great fits where they were picked by the Titans. Burks can play this year. Willis can watch and learn, maybe get in on some packages. And if he's has the potential that people seem to think, he's got a chance to help that team in 2023. Now, my, my best fits – because I love these picks Christian Watson the wide receiver from North Dakota State going to uh, Green Bay in a second round. I heard an interview with him talking about how cold it was, where they would practice sometimes they would leave the indoor facility and go outside just because the weather was awful, and he just sounded a natural to play at Lambeau field. He's a big guy. He ran a great 40 time, very athletic and what team needed a draft choice more Devonte Adams, like AJ Brown was picked in the second round. He just seems like a great fit. Another one was N'Kobe Dean, who I thought was going in the first round to drop all the way to Philadelphia. I was hoping the Texans would draft him, even though they didn't need a linebacker. You talk about a guy with a chip on his shoulder, and he was the captain of that defense. I think that was a great pick in the third round, and he start off on special teams, and it's only a matter of time before he's starting for the Eagles. The third one is right here, and it's one that the the Titans should be interested in. Uh, Damien Pierce, the uh, running back from Florida, fourth round, The Texans had the worst running game in the NFL. They had the worst running game in franchise history. The year before, they were 31st in rushing. They have been pathetic with a capital P. And they've reworked their offensive line. And starting with their second pick in the first round guard, Kenyon Green, who'll start at left guard. And this kid's going to get a lot of chances to carry the ball because their other backs are Marlon Mack. And Rex Burkhead. So I look for Pierce to come in and make an impact right away. And their running game, while it won't be great, it just can't be the worst in the league again.
2: I'm with young Christian Watson. I was watching Aaron Rodgers on with McAfee. This was Friday afternoon before, before the second round started. And it was about to get going. And he looked up at the time. He's like, yeah, we're about to go on the clock here in the second round because he was asked about what, what they did or did not do for Rodgers in the first round with those, with those picks. And he goes, look, we have a history of making some great selections in the second round. And initially it's uh, it's, you take it as like a jab that they didn't, they haven't addressed wide receiver or, or talent on offense in the first round for him. But he started naming off all the receivers that had been second or third round picks within the green Bay offense. And
0: it was knowing.
2: Yeah, it was what knowing. Was it was knowing that Christian Watson was going to be the selection. I'm with you on that. That one comes to mind. Nicobe Dean John is interesting because the the the, the growing storyline about the shoulder and the injury and why he fell, but then the headline right after the draft from the presser to recap the draft, Howie Roseman is saying he's going to be a full participant at rookie minicamp. Um. That's interesting because the, the reports were he's got some issues that teams aren't willing to invest in.
3: Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you a shoulder st- story, and Paul, Paul will uh, remember this. 1996, Floyd Reese making a first-round pick and he a running back. Eddie George, the Heisman Trophy winner, there was a story. He had a shoulder, a bad shoulder. He needed surgery, and he might not play as a rookie and he got fat on the banquet circuit after winning the Heisman. So Floyd drafted him, and all he was was NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. None of that was true, and so I think this was something that, People were looking for reasons not to take him because he's 5'11". And as I tweeted during the draft, his drop reminded me of another 5'11 linebacker who I was with him and his family when he was so disappointed not to be drafted in the first round because he's too short. His name was Singletary, and that worked out pretty well.
2: John, the three biggest head scratchers for you, what jumps to mind first?
3: Well, first of all, one of them I'm sorry to say, uh, the first one, Cole Strange, like everybody guard from UT Chattanooga going to New England, uh, he'll probably start. And, but still, they could have got him in the second round, maybe the third round, and that was one that made everybody scratch their heads. The other one, second one's in New England. Tyquan Thornton for Baylor, I watched almost every game he played. I knew he was fast. I didn't know he was 4-2-8 fast that he ran the comeback. He's very thin, and most people had him going in the fourth round. They took him in the second. I t- hope it turns out to be a brilliant pick, because I liked watching him in college, but that's another head-scratcher. And in my third one who the Seahawks had shot penny and over the last six games he was second in the league in yardage to Jonathan Taylor and he averaged 132 yards over those games he re-signed with them and they took Kenneth Walker the third second best running back to Brees Hall and that means they must be going to run the ball a whole lot to take pressure off Drew Locke, who I still can't believe is going to be their starting quarterback, but those are my three. Walker's a great prospect. He's just with a team where he's not going to be the man.
0: They just uh, Penny's been hurt so much. I mean, that was a great stretch for him to end the season, but before that, I don't know how many games he played in a row at, for any good stretch. So it must be that they just don't have much faith in him staying healthy. Uh, that had to be it, Paul. It had to be it.
2: John, um, I'll leave uh, leave us with this. Uh, has well, who was who was the last first overall pick that we talked this little about? Um, <laughs> I mean, he was on the screen for like sixty seconds, and then the NFL just moved on. It's like, yeah, you know, uh, Jacksonville went with the pass rusher you've never heard of, uh, Trayvon Walker's his name, and on the clock, Detroit, and off the clock is Detroit because they already have their pocket. right, right. <laughs>
3: Well, I think first of all, Walker wasn't at the draft. He was with his family. There was like 30 members, and I tell I tell players, I said, "My goodness, you get only one chance to do this, and the league treats them and their families like royalty. And to stay home and be with your family is great, but you can stay on be with your family anytime, and you wasted a. Tremendous opportunity for your mom and dad and your sisters and brothers. And uh, they took him based on his potential, not on his productivity. You talk about a great fit. How many guys want to go to Detroit and play for the Lions? The last time I saw a player (laughs) want to go somewhere where everybody thought was nuts was 1985 when quarterback – Bernie Kosar manipulated the draft to go in the supplemental draft just so he could go back home to northern Ohio and play for the Browns, and everybody thought that guy's got a screw loose, and it worked out great.
2: John McClain, uh, no screws loose, and he is our number one pick every Tuesday at this time. John, thank you as always, and we will catch up with you next week, man.
3: Jonathan, Paul, Chad you guys have a great rest of the week. And thank you very much. Hi, nice, Sean. You're good a stuff. legend, John. John McLean.
2: McLean underscore on the underscore NFL best. on social media. Hey,
4: I've got an answer to your question. Last time we cared so little about a number one overall pick, yeah. I, I thought about this because you threw it out yesterday. It's a good question. Eric Fisher in
0: 2013. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, okay. That's fair. Luke Jokel from Michigan. That was the Michigan. big decision between those two guys. Uh, that's the one that I came back and to Neither said, of them
4: were very good. Wasn't Eric Fisher the number one overall pick? And I had to go back and look it up to make sure he was the number one that was overall it. pick. With Kansas City 2013. And there was debate. So it's been almost a decade since we've had a more inconsequential, uh, bandied about first round pick than Trayvon Walker. And quite on Thursday frankly, night.
0: an Eric Fisher, Luke Jokel debate is less interesting than a Hutchinson Walker <laughs> yeah. debate. Much less interesting.
2: Much less. Coming up. Three programs in college who we need to see more representation from in the NFL draft. Chad Withrow gives you those three next on Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Plenty of accolades handed out over the NFL draft weekend. And then some things beneath the surface. You now, reading between the lines on teams you didn't see mentioned for the conferences. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. We mentioned um, Vanderbilt is the lone program from the SEC who did not have a player selected. It's the first time since 2014 that that has happened for Vandy. Um, that's an area that Clark Lee and company need to improve. Nobody um, close either. No, right, no one close. Um, however, the SEC ran away with the players. 65 players selected 25%. over seven rounds. percent And, Chad, uh, last night I sent you a text. I said, hey, let, let's build off of this and – I asked you to compile a list. I don't know which, who these teams are going to be. I, I, one of them's I, an easy game. I put one in because one is Texas. I don't know where they'll be on your list here. But programs who, need, who we need to see more representation from in the NFL draft through seven rounds, through 256 selections, who did you come up with?
4: So one and two are pretty easy um, because there's, this is in the nowhere to go but up department. <laughs> Columbia. Uh, number one is Texas. Um, and that's going to happen. They're, they're going to join the SEC in 2025 at the latest. So class of 2023, they are selling right now to those kids. They're recruiting right now that you could have two years in the SEC to incoming freshmen next year. So the SEC is going to be a big sales point for Texas. They've got NIL money. They've got two of the biggest collectives going in terms of money going. Let's face it, it's going to recruits, it's supposed to go to active players, but it's going in recruiting. Um, I also wrote, wrote this down because this may be the worst name of an NIL collective that I've ever heard. Horns with Heart. They have an NIL <laughs> collective called Horns with Heart. Oh,
0: and I nice. saw that I thought, is that is this a, is, am,
4: I, am I being trolled when it I saw like that? like a
0: children's books book club. Well, it's, it's the group
4: that gives every lineman at Texas $50,000 a year. <laughs> and it's, it's, I think it's founded by former Texas offensive linemen, and it's Horns with Heart. It's terrible. The other one's pretty cool. Clark Field Collective. Is the other uh, collective <coughs> working for Texas? Texas is number one. Zero draft picks this year. That's going to turn around and turn around quickly. Steve Sarkeesian's doing a good job in recruiting. That's going to continue now. But think about
2: IL. think about where we've come with Texas though. Longhorn football, where I mean they they would be routine to get you know. They wouldn't be what Georgia or Alabama has done, right? They have it wouldn't be that, but it would be no, it's steady. unbelievable.
4: That there are some stats out there with Texas that will make it would you be scratch. Seven your head. to ten players. They have so much money. I mean, they have so much money in that program and so many resources and such a rich, fertile recruiting territory that it's incredible they have not been more successful. Uh, and and there's been a stretch since two you mentioned. First time for Vandy to to not have a player drafted since 2014. This is the fourth time since 2014 that Texas has had one or fewer draft picks. The fourth time in the last eight years. Half the time. On par They've had one or less or none in four of those eight years. Texas, we're talking about. The Longhorns. It's incredible. Uh, Number two on my list is Miami. Look, Mario Cristobal, it is a perfect hire. Now, Manny Diaz, culturally fit. He was from Miami, knew the area. Mario Cristobal is a top-notch recruiter, knows that area, knows the high school coaches. He's going to do well. There was that state of South Florida uh, that Howard Schnellenberger originally talked about when he took over the Miami job. They wanted to lock down, and that was basically Tampa South. Mm -hmm. They were going to get players to go to Miami. I think Cristobal starts to do that. He's going to do that with the help of billionaire John Ruiz, who is running his own collective where he's just said, I'm going to give millions a year to make sure Miami's good again. Uh, he signed Nigel Pack, who's the top, one of the top transfers in college basketball from Kansas State. He announced immediately on Twitter, he is going to endorse one of my company's life wallet for an $800,000 contract, 400 grand a year to come play at Miami. That was the money to get Nigel Pack. Um, so, yeah, I think John Ruiz and Mario Cristobal together are going to do big things in Miami. They're going to start producing... NFL draft picks quickly. Third team on my list is a surprise to a lot. Texas Tech is in a great position to be a contender in the Big 12. Moving forward, Texas, Oklahoma leaving. You've got Houston coming in, BYU, Cincinnati, some good programs that are going to do well, the new programs. But Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Baylor, I think are three programs that are primed to be Mm. in contention year in and year out with the support of those programs And with coaching, Texas Tech is going to start producing top-notch talent. Why? They hired Joey McGuire, who coached at Cedar Hill High School for years. He's already in the Texas High School Football Coaches Hall of Fame. He was the recruiter at Baylor. You want to talk about someone who knows Texas politics inside and out? It's Joey McGuire. He's already got a top seven recruiting class going to Lubbock next year. If you look in the top ten and you want to see a surprise, look at Texas Tech in their recruiting class. He closed with a top 40 class, which is the first in eight years. That's after he took the job late in the recruiting process. He got them that good a year ago. Texas Tech is going to recruit at a very high level. They are going to produce NFL talent as well. So three teams, they had two guys drafted this year, all on day number three. Three teams that are going to rise with NFL draft picks. Texas, Miami, Nowhere to go but up. Mm -hmm. And Texas Tech is my surprise third team.
0: I I like the Texas Tech idea. Um, I mean, I think receivers and DBs in particular. Can I give you
2: an honorable mention on this list? Please. Yeah. Arizona did not have a player drafted this year. TCU, the Frogs, no players. Louisville, no players drafted from their 2021 season. West Virginia, another program known for defensive back, wide receiver.
0: Louisville and West Virginia feel like aberrations. So West Virginia has a big NIL
4: collective called Country Roads Collective. That's raising a lot of money. That's terrible. Um, I like Arizona Hutton because Jed Fish at Arizona has the second-ranked transfer class in America Mm -hmm. where he's getting top talent to come into Arizona so they can turn that around quickly and get some draft picks that way. And what was your third? Oh, Louisville. Louisville's Louisville. got a top fifteen recruiting class right now for next year.
0: They've got some alumni to sell the program.
4: They do. It's been a rocky road. They've for also got some bourbon of money. Good like guy, Dad Fitzpatrick. They got bourbon money, and hey, <laughs> Papa John's not busy right now.
2: Coming up, our takeaways from the AJ Brown presser in Philadelphia yesterday, and Tannehill's presser today in Nashville. Details coming up on OutKick
0: three hundred and sixty across the OutKick network.